0: Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one. We'll be looking at verses eighteen to twenty-five. If you don't have a Bible, if you want to pull up your hands, and we'll get one to you. Okay, Matthew chapter one. Commercialism. Um, TV ads. They, they have kind of transfixed inside our psyche of what Christmas should look like. We've all seen the ads, the Christmas cards, of the 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 perfect Christmas scene, beautiful, healthy people, lovely shiny white teeth. Sitting around, beautiful Christmas tree, handing over wonderfully wrapped Christmas presents. Um Yet we know that Christmas, not just for believers, it can be a very, very difficult time. And we certainly cannot take our heartache, our pain, and suffering and just throw it in a box and open it back up in January, can we? And nor should we. Because Jesus came for those in need. Jesus was born to rescue people. He came to heal the the brokenhearted. And his light shines in the darkness into our confusion and into our pain. The good news for all mankind, especially for believers, is that God is with us. But are we always aware of this truth? You know, do we act upon it? That Jesus is with us every single step of the way. In that the struggles of our life, in our heartache, do we reach out for him? Do we reach out to his open hand? So this morning we're going to see the struggles, the pain that Mary and Joseph faced. Now don't panic, it is an uplifting message. And what we'll see in that is the glorious future that came in the midst of it. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that you came to be one of us. And as John said, you know, we've seen your glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of of truth. And we thank you, Lord, that everything you said is true, and we thank you that by grace we are saved through faith in you, Lord, that there's no other way to salvation. It is that simple. It is that glorious. It is that beautiful. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us, that you are amongst us today. And we give you all the thanks. We give you all the praise. So, verse 18 of chapter 1. Vigier is going to throw it up on the wall. So now the birth of Jesus (coughs) Christ took place in this way. (coughs) Excuse me. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, so this is before they had uh, sexual relations within marriage, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, marriage for the first century Jew consisted of two ceremonies first, a betrothal then usually after about a year or in around a year it came the actual wedding ceremony and the closest thing that we would have to betrothal would be would be an engagement that would be the nearest thing but at the betrothal that the couple would be legally married but they weren't allowed to live together and they certainly weren't allowed to partake in sexual relations the bride would remain in her father's home until the very day of the wedding, while the groom would busy himself making, building their new home, which is like an extension onto his mom and dad's house. So in these days, you never got rid of the kids, never. And then the wedding itself, it consisted of of just a very short ceremony after which the bride was led through the village, uh, to her new home where the marriage was consummated and people for seven days, I think it was, that they would, they would celebrate. So in ancient Jewish culture, betrothal was a legally binding contract. And if you wanted out of that contract, even in this betrothal period, you would have to get a divorce, a letter of divorce. So Mary and Joseph, they were waiting to be married And what happens next is is incredible. God touches the lives of these teenagers in, in an incredible way. And that's what they were. They were teenagers. The single most important event in God's eternal plan, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Christ into this world, and God uses these teenagers. Mary would have been in her early to, to mid-teenage years, and she finds out she becomes pregnant. Now, this would have been a huge scandal, a great dishonor for both sets of parents. You know, it's like, what would be her defense? Like, yes, I'm pregnant, but, but I haven't been with anyone. It's, it's a miracle of God, you know? Who in their right mind is going to believe her? And she knew the consequences. She knew the backlash that would come. But yet, when when the angel Gabriel said to her in in Luke chapter 1, he said that you will you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So she knew the consequences. And then we see her reply, and I love it, Luke one thirty eight. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Before the apostle Paul even mentioned the word bondservant, we see it here. I am the bond servant of the Lord. And then she says, Let it be done according to your will. Despite the possible repercussions. Mary trusted in the Lord. And what about Joseph? You know, we tend to read through scripture and we kind of think that Mary and Joseph were these, you know, super holy, oh yeah, do what you want, Lord, but they struggled. They struggled just like you and I. And Joseph, he believed that the woman he loved had been unfaithful to him. People would naturally point the finger at him. So his reputation, just like Mary's, was in tatters. And his family name was ruined. His mind must have been in absolute turmoil. And you can imagine the feelings that he had. Anger, feelings of betrayal, heartache. The man, he would have been absolutely devastated which makes verse 19 of chapter 1 even more powerful. Verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a a just man, so he was a righteous man, a man who looked to God, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now Joseph had another option. He could have brought her to the courts, he could have brought her to the to the the elders of the synagogue, he could have had her put on trial, she would have been publicly humiliated, and his reputation would have been restored. But he doesn't want to do that. He knew he wasn't the father, but but he also did not want to hurt Mary, so he decided to divorce her quietly such grace. Yet in the midst of this man's brokenness, God speaks into his life, just as he speaks into our lives through his word. So if you look at verse 20, but as he considered, so as he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of God, do you not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And I find great comfort in the knowledge that God was with Joseph. You know, I, I don't know anything about your struggles, but God does. He knows them all. And how important it is for us to remind ourselves That God is close. He is not distant. Because we all struggle with fear. We struggle with anxiety and doubt. None of us is exempt from those feelings. But there are times, and I certainly fall into this category, when a reaction to to difficult situations just makes matters worse. We become self-focused self-absorbed. It's the pity party. Oh, nobody knows what I'm going through, but that's what I love about Joseph. He did not do that. When his world fell apart, this man, he went to God. And if we follow this man's example, trusting in God, rather than trusting in our hearts, trusting in our emotions, if we learn not to you know not to trust on upon our own understanding then god will and he promises to establish our feet he will make our path straight so as joseph considered what to do next god spoke he spoke right into his life and notice what the angel said in verse 20 do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Putting others first. This And the Bible talks a lot about this sacrificial love, doesn't it? It's difficult. It is so hard to put other people first. Because when you love someone sacrificially, you are putting your heart on the line. But isn't that how God calls us to love? In, in an attempt to try and discredit Jesus. One of the Pharisees, he was a, a liar. He went to Jesus, and he asked him a question. He said, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? You know, hoping to catch him out. And Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty six, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. So where do I, where do we find the strength for this type of love? Sacrificial love, to put others first. We have to go to God. It is not found in and of ourselves. We cannot manufacture this love. Only he can remove the fear that stops us from, from, from living a life. Because Jesus is, as, as the prophet Isaiah described, he is our, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, everlasting Father, and he is our Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9 verse 6. Why is Jesus our wonderful counselor? Because he's God. He is the source of all truth. His counsel comes from a place of of, of not self-interest because he has our interests at heart, doesn't he? So we we can bring our questions to him. We can bring our struggles to him. We can bring our sins to him. Now, he doesn't always take our problems away. We know that. But he certainly speaks to us through his word. He reaches into our lives, and he reassures us, doesn't he, that we are not alone. He is the prince that gives us peace. And he certainly knows how rough life can get. Hebrews 4, chapter 15, the author writes, For we do not have a high priest referring to Jesus, who was unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows betrayal. He knows what it is like to be wrongly accused, to have people lie and gossip about him, He knows what it was like to be alone. He knows physical and emotional pain. The prophet Isaiah wrote that the Messiah would be despised, that he would be rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. So that qualifies him, doesn't it? That qualifies Jesus understands your struggles. He understands your grief. And this is why he is our our, our wonderful counselor. And there's great comfort in the knowledge that when we struggle, that he is right there with us, knowing our every thought, our every tear. So as Joseph was considering to divorce Mary, God speaks right into his life and he explains to him what was happening. Verse 21. And the angel says, She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. So the baby was going to be the boy and Joseph was to name him Jesus. And then the angel speaks of this baby boy's mission for he will save his people from their sins. And the name Jesus, it means Yahweh, or or God is salvation. So the angel reassures him. He says, look, Joseph, don't be afraid, because the Messiah that has been promised is coming, and he will save his people from their sin. The apostle Paul wrote in his letter to to the Romans in Romans 6 23 he said for the wages of sin is death but the but the free gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord so if you're not a believer here this morning then you have to ask yourself which one of these do I want to be a slave to sin payment for which is death eternal separation from God, or do I want eternal life? If you decide to accept this, and it is a free gift, salvation is free, then you become a child of God. You belong to him. Remember that the blood of Jesus, the blood he shed on that cross, it is the only thing that can save you. So, put your faith in Jesus. Repent of your sin. Believe in his death and his resurrection, that it provides a way for you to be forgiven, a way for you to be redeemed. And now, Matthew points to the fact that the virgin birth was a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And we see that Matthew does that throughout his gospel. In fact, Matthew uses more Old Testament quotes than any other gospel. So, verse 22 and verse 23. Then Matthew tells us, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then Matthew tells us that name means that God is with us. So, this quote from Isaiah 7, verse uh, verse 14, it was actually written 300 years before the birth of Christ. Now, the prophet Isaiah lived in in Jerusalem in, in the latter part of the kingdom period. And many consider him to be one of the greatest of all the prophets. In fact, he's often referred to as as the uh, Messianic prophet because many of his prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The New Testament quotes and applies more scripture from, from Isaiah than any other Old Testament prophet. Isaiah spoke on God's behalf to the rulers of Judah and Jerusalem Um, they weren't they weren't a great bunch Um, he warned them about their sin about their idolatry and about their treatment of God's people he warned that if they continued in their path refusing to repent then God would use and he mentioned the Assyrians and the Babylonians that God would use them to judge Judah But with these warnings, and again, just God demonstrates his grace time and time again. It wasn't just all warnings. There also came a message of hope, a message of the coming Messiah. And this isn't the only prophecy concerning Christ. Isaiah wrote how the Messiah would be a descendant of the king of David, Isaiah 11.1. It says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. He also spoke about the miracles that Jesus would perform, how he would heal people. Uh, Malachi 3.1 tells us that the Messiah would, would stand in the temple. The prophet Zechariah, chapter nine, he said, wrote about how the Messiah would, would ride into Jerusalem upon a donkey, again fulfilled. Zechariah also predicted how the Messiah would be pierced, which obviously points to his his crucifixion. And David wrote the same thing. A thousand years before the birth of Jesus, he spoke how the Messiah's hands and how his feet would be pierced, and how the people would cast lots for his clothing. And the soldiers did that at the foot of the cross, didn't they? Prophecy fulfilled in Jesus. And there are many, many more. Now notice here in verse 23, how they shall call his name Emmanuel. So Jesus, a name which means he saves his people from their sin, came as Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus is right there in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the sin of this world, with the purpose of bringing all mankind to himself. God does not want to see one person perish. He doesn't. And then we finish on verses 24 to 25. So when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So even though Joseph did not understand, fully understand what was happening, he still was willing to obey God's word. He waited upon the Lord, and when the Lord spoke, he allowed God's word to guide him. Now seeking God's will for your life requires patience and as we walk with him as we study as we live out his word in our lives we find that we are given the mind of Christ his will for us. So in conclusion As believers, we celebrate Christmas as the birth of Jesus Christ. We celebrate when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The eternal second person of the Trinity entered into history as the man, Jesus. From his incarnation to his ascension, Jesus Christ declares the love and the grace of his Father. Therefore, the manger becomes the most hopeful place in a world that is full of hopelessness. Because in Jesus we find the strength, the hope, and the joy to face any crisis, endure any sorrow. And I want to finish on a quote from the Reverend Charles Spurgeon. he he preached this sermon on the, the 20th of December, 1857. And I, I quote, Charles said, let, it, let each one of us go from this place determined that if we are angry all the year round, this next week shall be an exception. That if we have snarled at everyone last year, this Christmas time we will strive to be kindly, affectionate, to others. And if we have lived all these years all this year at enmity with God, I pray that by his spirit he may now this week give us peace with him. And indeed, my brother, it will be the merriest Christmas we ever had in all our lives. Amen.